Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to TGMR, the Galleries at Moore Radio, a public talk radio station broadcasting from the Moore College of Art and Design. Listen live, search the archive of past broadcasts, or find out how you can get on the air at thegalleriesatmore.org. Today is another installment of Art Blog Radio, and my name is Imani Roach. I'm the managing editor of Art Blog, and I'm here speaking with Kara Springer. Hi, Imani. Hi, Kara. <laughs> um, so she, part of the reason that Kara is here, uh, the occasion is her show, 10 Days Before Freedom, a hymnal, which is currently up at the galleries at Moore through March 17th. So we'll be talking a little bit about that. Um, and then I have other questions about her practice. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, so just to start off with the occasion of the hour, 10, ten Days Before Freedom. Um, so it's a piece, from my understanding, that's inspired by a sort of commemoration that happens in Fox Hill mm -hmm. in the Bahamas um, of sort of the news of emancipation reaching this relatively remote community. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm wondering where did the root of the idea to make a piece about this celebration come from? Is this something that you sort of grew up knowing about or... Yeah, where did that? Yeah, that's a great question. And no, not at all. It's not something that I grew up knowing about. And the truth is, the the starting point of the piece was really the structure that is pictured in the images. Um, so my partner, I'm originally from Barbados. My heritage, my heritage is Bayesian and Jamaican. My partner is Bahamian and Trini. And so we sometimes are in the Bahamas for the holidays. And that was the case a couple of years ago. And um, we passed by this structure in Fox Hill. And I, I kind of fascinated on it, even though it's something that in life is, is not very remarkable at all. It's, it's something that's coming apart in many ways. Um, but yeah, I fascinated on it and, um, and took probably a couple hundred images of it from oh, wow. many, many, many angles. Um, and the fact that it's this, this structure um, that's kind of on its way up or down in the yard of a church in this town. Um, so that was really where it started, um, this kind of, yeah, just being drawn to this thing. And and then I learned about, because I didn't know anything about Fox Hill. I mean, I knew where we were in that moment yeah. and that it is a historic village of um, that was originally founded by liberated Africans oh. in Nassau. Um, but that was really as much as I knew. And um, yeah, and then these images kind of just stayed with me, like on the wall in my studio. And as I moved from space to space, it felt, they felt resonant for whatever reason. Um, and that was what drew me to kind of look further at, at the context of Fox Hill and to learn more about, about this historical context of, um, of the Fox Hill Day Parade, uh, and and why emancipation is celebrated in that town every year in Nassau. Yeah. And so the structure that you're speaking of, it's like a tent, right? It's like sort yeah. of a revival tent? Exactly, exactly. It's interesting. Um, it seems you're drawn a lot of times to these architectural spaces. Absolutely. Um, so what is your... 
what is the appeal, I guess, of the architecture? <laughs> also, these sort of temporary architectural spaces, right. right? So what is the appeal of the sort of temporary space to you? Yeah, um, it's definitely something that that I'm drawn to in a lot of different ways. And I think, I mean, sometimes, literally this I don't know exactly. Yeah. But, <laughs> but sometimes I think that... Um, the context of the Caribbean as a physical landscape, um, you you tend to come across these structures that are coming apart in different mm. ways, and also that are in in the midst of being built, and that has to do with the environmental landscape, with the intensity of the elements, hurricane seasons, saltwater, the air, all of it. Um, but it also has to do with the economic context and the fact that mm -hmm. sometimes projects are started and then they don't continue for whatever reason. Um, somebody dies, funding runs out, et cetera. Um, so it's something, it's something that's present. And also this, I think this thing of, of building in in that kind of space where, um, yeah, it's just, it's a harder landscape. And so you can't expect things to last forever mm -hmm. in the way that um, I think it's kind of anticipated in, in spaces like this where we are now. Um, yeah, so I mean, I feel like that's maybe part of it. I also grew up um, in a kind of small industrial city in southern Ontario, Windsor, uh, which is across the border from Detroit. And so those are also very, like, Windsor itself, which was kind of, you know, in suburban development as I was growing up. And as a kid, I would play with my friends in, like, half-built houses and things like that. Yeah. And then, of course, there's Detroit, which yeah. is this, like, amazing landscape that... Um, is incredible in all of these ways and also where you see this very specific urban decay. Yeah. Hmm. So in trying to describe your work to people who haven't had the chance to see it mm -hmm. yet, um, I found myself getting hung up on the question of like medium or discipline or something. Mm -hmm. If it's photo installation, is it like minimalist sculpture like you right, right, right. <laughs> how do you think about how do you think about medium and discipline it seems like a lot of your work is kind of both and yeah it it definitely is which is kind of I mean I guess it is what it is it feels difficult at times when it comes to describing it um but yeah I feel as though I'm I'm interested in the crossover between many different spaces and disciplines. And I think there's a kind of energy that's possible in, in that place. So for me, and I have a hard time describing my work, <laughs> but you know, I might say that it crosses over between photography and sculpture, sculptural installation in this particular moment. Um, I like my formal training is as an industrial designer. And so I tend towards a certain kind of building. Uh, and I'm also just really interested in a certain kind of like architectural engagement, mm -hmm. like space in relationship to the body. Uh, and I think in my work lately, I'm often kind of reaching for that at the level of scale and kind of dealing with and taking up space. Mm. Yeah. That makes me think partially about the question of audience mm -hmm. because 
I mean, if we're thinking about the history of sculpture and people who historically are really thinking about space in that way, I mean, I think I already sort of mentioned the history of minimalism yeah. and, you know, some of your earlier pieces I've seen of the sort of um, structures, like the skeletal structures that you placed on the beach feel very much to me to be about minimalism. Um, right. But it, it feels, and, and in this piece in particular, but um, <coughs> even in some of the other works of yours that I've seen, um, they feel both to be about minimalism, but also to be butting up against that history. And in part for me, that tension comes from um, like a question of audience or like a, a, an, an understanding of like the differences between bodies who mm -hmm. may be like engaging with the work or mm. something. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but can you, I guess as a two-parter, can you sort of expound maybe upon your relationship to minimalism? Is that something that's important to you? And then also, like, for this piece in particular, how do you think about audience? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate the framing of that question and particularly, like, in relationship to audience. I mean, I guess first I'll say that, um, yeah, I think it's, I'm almost embarrassed by how much I like conceptually struggle with my relationship to minimalism. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's something that's in my art practice, this piece of my life. I've always, yeah, thought a lot about and kind of been really preoccupied by. Uh, and it's in part the fact that um, I'm so compelled by, by minimalist forms. You know, as I said, trained as an industrial designer, so there's yeah. something at the level of, like, form that follows function, kind of in its, like, simplest manifestation is mm. really compelling for me. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, as I, and I didn't, like, as a young person, I didn't formally train as an artist, so I didn't have an art historical context. One of the things that that was actually a big shift for me was spending a little bit of time in Marfa um, and kind of happenstance. Like my partner happened as a writer and happened to be doing a residency there. So um, I visited and I was like, wow, like it was so, um, it was important for me to come across the work of Donald Judd and to see these like, you know, as, and see these like fathers of minimalism, but just the possibility, like the way that sculpture crosses over with industrial design, with architecture, whatever. Um, so it was really, so that was really like an entry point into the possibility that I could also cross over in these ways. But then ultimately, um, it became this big question for me of like, why am I making work in the mode of these like very white, very male, yeah. very American? Yeah artists yeah. um, so that's like that's attention it's attention and it's something that I'm interested in in questioning and you know as you said kind of coming up against uh, because I think that on some level I mean you make you make simple forms like the work that you talked about on on um, beaches and the Caribbean landscape it uh, I mean I came to that just wanting to see these very very simple forms with very simple materials I had access to. But there's a way, like, once you put them into this fine art, contemporary art context, you can't get away from, like, Saul Lewis and, you know, you, it's, it's there, like, that is the lineage. Yeah. And, and that find is really, 
it's difficult, the fact that we can't even deal with, like, the simplest forms. Like, you can't even just deal with a cube without <laughs> it being, like, oh, but Lisa Whitman did it in, like, the 50s and 60s in this particular country, right? And it's, like, it exists in all these other ways, right? Yeah. Like, we can look, like, historically and culturally at all these different contexts, yeah. but it's so, like, we're so bound to, like, deal with that, you know? Um, yeah, so I appreciate this, like, thinking about it in terms of audience. And for me something that I think about a lot in my practice is the possibility of being able, like what does it mean for us to be in conversation with each other without having, because I feel like as an artist of color, as a person of color, um, but particularly in the arts, there's this work that you have to do to be legible to a white audience. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it's just, you know, taken for granted that, that 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 work has to be done. And I always wonder, like, what would it mean to, to sidestep that and to just like to speak to each other and to allow like allow some basic understanding to be like taken for granted? Um, and then how much energy do we save right. <laughs> that we can put into ourselves and our work and yeah. each other? Um, and where like where does that where does that leave us? And then let others, whomever, do the work to enter into. You know, and I think that that's fair. Yeah. So, thank you. I mean, the reason that I ask the question about audience in particular about this piece is that um, it f it felt to me a bit like a refusal of legibility, mm -hmm. um, <coughs> just because I think there's something about the scale of the photograph and that sort of proximity to the frame, like the amount of space in the frame that it takes up, that it, it just becomes, it becomes this space that you can't enter like repeatedly, you know, but there is this sense because of the little hole in the canvas or there's a sense that there is like this vibrant inner world that's happening, but that you have no access to as a viewer, you know? So it does, it feels like, um, like a, feels uh, like it's somehow about this like repeated reminder of like not everything is for you or something you know <laughs> or like or like that just there are some things that are um not about legibility like it mm. feels to me about that very much and I wondered um yeah if, if if for someone who may have no context for like a Juneteenth celebration or who may have no context for like Caribbean religious practices, mm -hmm. um, it would, I, I could imagine it feeling illegible in the right. way you describe. Yeah, and I mean, that's something <coughs> that I'm, I'm really interested in. And what does, uh, what does, what does that mean, you know, like, so, when something is illegible, does it ask you to do a certain amount of work in order to be able to enter into it? And I mean, it, it's something that I think about with question marks, um, yeah. without answers myself. Um, but I do, I, my inclination is to move towards that kind of space. Yeah. Um, and, and I struggle with it. It's something where I wonder, like, am I offering enough? And is, is, am I doing enough if I'm not, if I'm not being clear 
if mm. I'm not forcing the questions that are underneath of this for me. Um, but at the same time, I'm really interested in leaving space and leaving space for different interpretations. Um, and that, and for me, like that's the the kind of potential of ambiguity and and somewhat like what's exciting about minimalism itself that it it leaves a lot of space to bring what you will to it mm. you know um, and I think that that's that feels useful and productive in a way. Yeah. Um, so another thing that comes up for me just looking at your work, and I think you also mentioned it, talking about the various identities that you and your partner Christian sort of have. <coughs> um, there's always, it feels like a, a wrestling with diaspora in your work. Um, and it, as an American black person, I find it kind of um, pleasing to to not always be at the center of all conversations about diaspora or mm. something. Like, I find it, um, yeah. I have found the experience of being slightly off-center off in your work <laughs> to be, like, <laughs> challenging but also productive. Mm. Um, and I wonder, I mean, I know you've um, grown up, you know, you, you've got Caribbean heritage, you have spent a lot of your life in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm wondering about how you think, now that you're sort of in New York doing the New York artist thing, um, how much you think about diaspora in relationship to sort of like a tra more traditional sort of black American conception of diaspora. Mm -hmm. Like how are you figuring those sorts of things out? Yeah, I mean definitely that's, thinking through some of that has been a part of my experience. So I moved from Toronto to Philly for two years um, and then more recently to New York. And um, yeah, it's definitely something that I, th that I think about. <coughs> Sorry. And I think it's, I think it's an interesting and important like space of conversation right now. Yeah. Um, like, inside of and between are like multiple many many communities yeah. um yeah and i mean I, I think that i mean i take a certain a certain hmm i don't want to say outsider perspective but this like perspective of diaspora for granted in a certain way um and yeah, I mean, I, I think being being in the States, I mean, being in the States, it's really interesting because black identity here is, I mean, it has, you know, it, it has almost like a critical mass, you yeah. know what I mean? Mm. In a way that it doesn't in Canada, not that there isn't an African-Canadian experience, right. but it's so much more multiple. You know, um, and in Canada, you know, we say like we kind of stay Jamaican Canadian or whatever right. it is it's there, experience. Right, right? As opposed to fully like identifying as Canadian, 
Whereas in the States, there's very much, and even for Caribbean communities here and Caribbean artists here, like there are so many people that are of the Caribbean diaspora mm -hmm. that you don't necessarily know right. because they have become American, right. um, which is really interesting, you know? And it's interesting in this moment where it, it means something different to identify, yeah. you know? Um, because I think, I think there's just the possibility of more complex conversations right now. Um, not, I, I shouldn't even say more complex conversations, but I think that there's a reason that, like a really productive reason that it would make sense to be able to have an identity, like a clear identity in this place. Um, and we're in a moment where I think there's there's more possibilities of blackness, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> the piece that I think put you on the map for lack of a less crude expression for a lot of people <laughs> um, was A Small Matter of Engineering, mm -hmm. um, which was the piece that you installed in the courtyard at Tyler um, back, it was right after the election, right? Back in It was right before the election. Right before actually. the election. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so back in October then of 2016? Uh, it probably <coughs> was, it probably went up in September. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, which for those of you listening, I'm sure you've probably seen, or maybe you haven't, um, is a sort of fabric painted, um, billboard style almost, um, piece that said white people period do something period um so i guess so i have a number of different questions about that piece i think one were you surprised by the amount of attention that that piece got because you were still in graduate school at the time yeah. right uh yes <laughs> i definitely was um yeah i mean that was a quick a quick gesture in a right. way um, I often make work where I like think about it for a long, long time. And that uh, we, as part of the grad program that I was in at Tyler, we were asked to put some work up in, in this big hallway space. And um, a classmate and I, another woman of color, Nicole Kim and I, uh, decided to step outside the building and um, work in this courtyard space that, that this hallway faced. Um, and, and so, the piece, I mean, so that summer we were coming out of, when we were very much inside of this moment of dealing with this new visibility of violence, of police violence on black bodies. And so, you know, that was, it felt like a particularly dire moment. There was a lot of community organizing, a lot of conversations happening. Um, and being like present for some of those conversations in Philly was really, really wonderful and really nourishing. Um, and the, the text itself comes out of a performance by a group called Black Women Artists for Black Lives Matter ah, okay. that also you know, formed in response to that, that moment. And um, yeah, and so that, that phrase was spoken during a performance. And, um, and it really resonated. And oh. it was this like, yeah, it was, it was this really powerful moment. And I was in this mode of kind of being interested in what does it mean to like take language and put it in public space in whatever ways. And so 
And so I made that work. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I really was thinking of it very much inside of that institution. And I was thinking about what it would mean there right. and asking some questions about how does this place function? And particularly, and so that audience, you know, it's an art school, so it's yeah. a very liberal space, very white space, yeah. very liberal. Um, and I think that it's a space, like many, um, where, you know, there's this kind of taking for granted that, like, we're all on the right side, we're all trying, we all mean well, yeah. but then what does it mean to get into, like, the more difficult questions that yeah. aren't being asked? And yeah. that's really, like, where I was at. Yeah. and what I was thinking. Um, so I, I, I thought about what the response would be in the building right. and how difficult that might be. And I was really nervous, you know, yeah. in, in the midst of putting it up. Um, but in any case, as it turned out, it was easy to photograph. And so it kind of, <laughs> and I, it's not like, I don't think I took any photos of it. It was just something that, um, you know, in this moment went out into the digital world and so became something entirely else, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned the issue of putting language in public space. And um, so the title of the piece, mm -hmm. A Small Banner of Engineering, um, why is that the <laughs> title of the piece? You, have, you always have these very uh, evocative titles that are sort of orthogonal in a way to what mm -hmm. I would expect. So what is, yeah, what is that particular piece about? And then also how do you approach titling your work? Huh. Um, well, that, so a small matter of engineering, is a phrase that I'd come across. And um, it's something that engineers kind of throw around playfully, I huh. suppose. And it's this idea of when a client asks you to do something kind of impossible, kind of extraordinary. Uh. But it's like, you know, like, yeah, it's just a small matter of engineering. Gotcha. Like, it's, you know, everything can be done. That's um, yeah. But there's like the, it holds the impossibility <laughs> of. Huh. Um, and that's, so I was thinking about what it means to, yeah. you know, cross over into doing the same kind of work and yeah. and the like, both like how easy it is and how impossible it is, yeah. you know? Yeah. Fantastic. Huh. Okay. <laughs> um, so also, I mean, on the question of language, I know uh, you do collaborate. Your partner is a poet, mm -hmm. correct? Christian? What's his last name? Campbell. Okay. Christian Campbell. Yeah. Um, and I know that you've collaborated with him on projects in the past. Um, so does your interest in language sort of precede that collaboration? Does it come out of that collaboration? <laughs> That's a nice question. Um, yeah, I mean, we collaborated a little bit. Uh, we collaborated on a kind of performance piece tribute to Terry Atkins, actually. Oh. Uh, that happened at the power plant in Toronto. I can't remember exactly when. Um, yeah, um, we haven't collaborated that much outside of that context, mm. but I think also, like, yeah, I live with a poet, and that's the person who I am constantly in conversation with yeah. as I, like, am thinking through and grappling through, you know? So I'm absolutely, like informed by, affected by. Um, but I think that uh, I also have my, you know, my relationship to language that um, 
I don't even know if I could say where it comes from. <laughs> but, um, but maybe also just how important language has been to me always, you know, um, in terms of my experience of the world and kind of reading the world as a, as a little kid. And, and um, I don't know if this is, well, anyways, it is what it is. But um, I think being, you know, I grew up in, as I said, like small industrial city in Canada. Um, I was the only, I was one of very, very, very few black people. And, you know, like it was me and my brother in our entire grade school, that sort of thing. And I think um, being like an outsider in whatever way, reading was always really important to me. Mm. And I think offered me a certain kind of access to other stories and possibilities and perspectives. Um, so, so yeah, it's something that I feel rooted in, just in terms of understanding the world and engaging with it. Yeah. yeah. So then at what point, um, at what point do you start to transition in your practice to thinking of yourself as an artist? Because you've described, you know, your actual background being, or your, your initial background being in industrial design. Mm -hmm. um, so then how does art making enter the picture? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think that fairly recently, truthfully, oh. like, the point at which I was ready to call myself an artist. And it's something that I always struggled with and I think just didn't really feel like I had access to. Yeah. Um, you know, and I am uh, the child of immigrants yeah. and, you know, there's often this weight of, or this weight of justifying the fact that they came here yeah. to give you certain opportunities. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, for uh, I always made things, you know, um, but I, for a long time, it felt like I had to do something that uh, that I could feel was more legitimate. Yeah. I hate to say that, Absolutely. but like that was, you know, and so, like industrial design, it was something yeah. where I could like, you know, I do design related to you know, the medical field, and it could feel like this totally. is, you know, this is functioning in the world in this way. Totally. No, I, I studied architecture before <coughs> I became an art historian, because right. I was like, this is a thing. This yeah, is a real thing. Exactly. I'm doing something. I'm being productive. Yeah. I'm giving something to the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was really difficult for me to, like, get to a place where I was ready to say, uh, and I still have a hard time. I'll say, like, I do many things, you know? But to say that I'm an artist, yeah, yeah, yeah it took a while. And I will say, um, you asked me about my partner, Christian. There was something really lovely about, well, two ways I'll say that he influenced me. One is um, he's somebody who never questioned the importance of poetry in the world, mm -hmm. like the fact, like the gravity and the weight um, and the the urgency of making in that way, which I think is really beautiful, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, I think that's really beautiful for a lot of reasons. And the other thing that happened, 
as much as, um, like I was born in Barbados and as a kid would, you know, we'd spend time, I'd go back regularly, but I never had a life in the Caribbean of my own. Mm. And when I started going home with Christian, he grew up there mm. until, you know, going away to university. And I started to engage with arts communities there in mm. another way and with peers, you know? And there was something really important about that for me. And in part because in, in those spaces, it's not like there's tons of funding for right. artists there and arts communities, but there is this understanding that there's political urgency. Like mm. artists are an important part of the social fabric of the nation and of pushing conversations, necessary conversations forward. Um, and it's clear, like it's clear the gravity of the work that's, that's happening. And I think that that um, had an impact on allowing me to envision like what this could be, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, um, so we're coming to a little bit of a close on our time, but I do want to ask what's next? I know you're at, at the ISP right now at the yeah. Whitney. Um, yeah, what's, what's, what's next? Huh. That's a really, really good question. <laughs> In terms of my work specifically, yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm, you know, even in, in this project here, it feels like a kind of step, uh, an iteration in a way. And I'm kind of recognizing that that's very much part of how I work. Like I feel like it's, like everything is kind of a piece of the next thing, a piece of the next thing. Um, so I think there's a little further that I, I, not a little further, I think I will continue in this exploration of dealing with architectural space yeah. inside of and maybe for me like working inside of a gallery context is is new and so it's something that I'm still kind of figuring out how to do yeah. um, so maybe uh, yeah maybe that's part of what I'm I'm interested in in the moment but at the same time I'm also really interested in being able to look at public interventions that are not at all like in cooperation with an institution or mm. with, you know, and just what it is to go out into the world and kind of make something and intervene and see what happens. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, I wish you all the best of luck. We Thank wish you, you all the best of luck. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you so much, Ronnie. I really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Um, Thank you for listening, everyone. This has been another installment of Our Blog Radio. Until next time, uh, goodbye. <laughs>